On today's show, we decide whether or not Kimball Walker is an all-time top three Hornet. He wasn't an all-star starter. Those were announced last night. We will tell you what it means for Kimball Walker's chances to make the all-star game as a reserve. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team Every day. Music from the Chosen Rejects there to get us pumped up on this Friday. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. It is Friday here on the show, Inauguration Day, David. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. This is a historic day. It is. It is an historic day. We've uh, the, my family here is three out of four. Uh, we've escaped the uh, NBA flu watch, and you have escaped NBA flu watch, right? I feel better. Yes, I have excavated okay. most, if not all, of the phlegm from my throat. So yeah, this is uh, this is a big day for all of us, and it's the day after All Star starters were announced. So we get to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Kimball Walker. Is he? Are we ready to inaugurate him into the top three Hornets of all time discussion? Plus, we're going to get into a preview of tonight's game against the Toronto Raptors. Very big game for the Hornets tonight. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes and search Locked On to find podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. Right now, the NFL Draft Podcast is in the top 25 of all uh, iTunes sports podcasts. So uh, check those guys out and get ready for the NFL the NFL Draft. It's coming up sooner than you think. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. Let's start with this question that we posed yesterday on Twitter. We also posed it on reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Charlotte Hornets. Is Kimball Walker a top three Hornet of all time? Before we discuss this, David, though, we should set the terms. So we're only going to be talking about the time that Kimba's played in Charlotte and all of these other Hornets and Bobcats played in Charlotte. Uh, meaning Bobcats time does count, and we are counting original Hornets as well. We're factoring in statistics, awards and honors, and meaning to the franchise. So though, that's the foundation upon which we are discussing this. Let's start with hitting the stat sheet. Kimball Walker in his sixth season, all with Charlotte, career averages of 18, 4, and 5. But these past two seasons, David, he's really hit the prime stride of his career. He's raised his scoring average above 20, raised his three-point percentage above 40. Uh, This is when he's really hitting uh, his prime years. Uh, What other stats do you have to support Kimba in the top three? And, And talk about where he is in context with some other guys. Well, you know, as we know, he has not been an all-star team yet. Uh, he has not led a team to a playoff win yet. But I don't think you can penalize Kemba too much for the state of the franchise, you know, when he's playing right now. I think you really have to look at – it's really over the last two years. I mean, this jump he has made is one of historic proportions, I think, because you just don't see a guy six seasons into his career making the kind of leap that he did and then holding on to it. Um, I also think something that goes into Kemba's favor is – this is his team. 
right? So some of the other guys we're going to look at, um, maybe they, they, you know, there, that was their team. And some of them, you know, that was not their team, but I do think that goes into it because when you are the alpha dog on the team and we had been looking for an alpha dog for this team for many, many years, we couldn't figure out if it was Al Jefferson, if it was Kimba Walker, it's unequivocally Kimba. It was Kimba last year. He has taken control of the leadership position on this team and he has made himself into an NBA star. So I think that's, you know, when you're looking at stats and awards, those aren't actual, you know, uh, things you can hold on to, but they do exist. And I think they matter. Um, you, you mentioned it this year, this year, 23 points a game, five and a half assists, four, almost four and a half rebounds, 42% from three and 49% from two, his best season of his career so far in his sixth season. And also Doug, I think it's important to point out, this is, you know, the golden age almost of NBA point guards right now, at least, but from depth, uh, we're talking about depth in the East. Yeah. It's the best position in the game, and he is in that conversation. So I think that goes uh, in his favor as well. That's very true. And let's talk about some of the other names that we're going to consider here. I mean, and these are names that popped up on Reddit and Twitter as well. Eddie Jones, Glenn Rice, Larry Johnson, Baron Davis, Gerald Wallace, Del Curry. I mean, historic names within the franchise. Mm-hmm. You could throw Anthony Mason in there to get some consideration. A couple of stats for you in terms of offensive Box plus minus. Uh, Kimba ranks third. Eddie Jones first. Glenn Rice second. Larry Johnson uh, fourth. Baron Davis fifth. This is a popular stat uh, to uh, you know basically factor in all of the offensive output that players uh, are able to contribute. Um, value over replacement player. So this is their value over the average player at the time. So this is a good way to sort of contextualize things in different eras. Uh, Gerald Wallace actually gets the number one spot here. Larry Johnson in second. And again, you find Kimball Walker in yep. third. Uh, Del Curry sixth. Glenn Rice eighth. And Eddie Jones uh, tenth. And I think what's important to a lot of people that I was reading on these Reddit comments is a number of years. So I think that's mm-hmm. going to hurt guys like Glenn Rice, who are only Eddie. here three years. Uh, Eddie was only here, what, two, three seasons? A hundred games for uh, Eddie Jones. Here. Yeah, a hundred games for Eddie Jones. Kimball Walker, it seems like five years. Like People were even penalizing Larry Johnson for only being here five years. It's that like second and third contract that people, I mean, Muggsy was here almost a decade. Uh, Dell was here a decade. And that, So that's perspective, I think, uh-huh. for those two guys especially, right? Because that's not... Uh, typical. I mean, really, you know what I mean? Like Dell and Muggsy were in a unique situation, came in uh, with the uh, expansion franchise and then just stuck on and stayed. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, especially with Eddie Jones, right? Like only 102 games, really short stint here. Um, what do you see? Rice was here for three seasons, but really uh, had his best seasons in the NBA in Charlotte. So I think Kimba really, he shines in the statistics department, and and Mm -hmm. he'll continue to do that as he's here for a few more years and possibly more. He's going to continue to rack up stats. But let's talk about, let's move on to records. Uh, So this is where Kimba sort of gets hurt because you pair him, first of all, he he really has no awards or honors within the NBA, uh, Mm -hmm. right? He has a few player of the week honors, but you pair him with guys like, uh, Larry Johnson, who was an all-star starter, only one of two Hornets to be all-star starters. He was all-NBA second team, rookie of the year. Glenn Rice was a player of the month. 
uh, a three-time All-Star while he was in Charlotte, All-Star Game MVP, All-NBA second team, All-NBA third team, even mm-hmm. Dell Curry, who was you know, a, a bench player for his entire time here, uh, was a sixth man of the year. Eddie Jones, your man, this is a guy you're caping for, so I made sure to do the research on Eddie Jones. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to make your final list, uh, but All-NBA third team, All-Defense second team twice, and then you move to Kemba, and again, uh, he's looking for that first All-Star bid, but in the six seasons here, hasn't been able uh, to get that award or honor or recognition. Uh, the Hornets were uh, working hard to get him a most improved player last season. Uh, couldn't get that either. Um, so what do you think? I mean, how much does that factor in for Kemba? I think he's limited. He's not, not going to be able to get a six-man award, never going to be able to be a defensive player of the year award, never likely going to be able in consideration for any defensive uh, team awards. Even though you look at it this year, right? I mean, what is he, second leading league in charges? And, and the only guard, certainly the smallest guy in that category. So he's committed on defense. It's just not uh, – I don't think it's in the cards. He doesn't look like be. someone that you would nominate for defensive player of the year. Even though right. he, his, his pick and roll defense has improved mightily year over year. I mean, you, like you got a good oh, yeah. you got a good glimpse of it against Portland. Like when you put mm-hmm. his pick and roll defense side by side with Damian Lillard's, you start to understand uh, what the improvements that Kemba Walker has made. All right, final category here: meaning to the franchise. Uh, I think Kemba gets gets some gets some points back here uh, because he's led, in my opinion, he's led the revitalization of the franchise. He certainly got help from Al Jefferson. That acquisition was very important. But he he's been with the uh, franchise in the lowest of the lows, and you know he started his rookie year as a bench player, but g- got into that starting lineup. Hasn't let that go. And um, he's not as well-known or marketable as guys like Larry Johnson or Glenn Rice, but he's given this team years' worth of highlights and reason for hope. And he was a big reason, I think, that they were able to get Nick Batum to stay. So the story about his meaning to the franchise hasn't been fully written, but I think when you compare it to other guys, it's going to, it's going to stack up very nicely. And I think one of the first Hornets in the Bobcats Hornets era that people will tune in to watch. Maybe the only one. Yeah. All right. right? You know what I mean? Um, A couple of other guys. Johnson, I mean, Larry Johnson, his meaning to the franchise, he was sort of the first star that they had. But but I think he gets points docked from him because he was with Alonzo Mourning, too. And so... You know, you those guys were sort of um, balancing each other as well. I think Glenn Rice has an underrated story for this franchise. He kept them from being a disaster post Larry Johnson and post Alan Bristow into the Cowans era, where they racked up multiple fifty win seasons. And I think he was a big reason for that. And I think Del Curry gets major points here because he's been an elder statesman. But even just his his meaning to the franchise, just when he played, because I know that's what we're counting. Um, he was a consistent threat off the bench, and in an era where threes w- were like a, a legitimate weapon because not many people could could do it. Um, you know, he was he was a differentiator for this franchise and for this team, and for that, I think um, Curry gets Curry gets an extra nod there too. So let's talk about what our three are. Let's reveal our three, and then we're going to um, talk about some comments from. Uh, Reddit.com, uh, Charlotte Hornets. So your three. Now, 
Well, did we mention Alonzo Mourning at all? Did we cover his stats? Because, I mean, they're pretty eye-popping. They're eye-popping, but here's the thing, and, and this is why, and, and Zoe's not on my list, and he's not on the list that I've seen uh, from some of the commenters, and I think he gets docked for not being here, for making his bones in Miami. Certainly made his name in Miami, is a Miami Heat guy, but um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, the only guy that we're talking about that's a Hall of Famer, um, a seven-time All-Star, two times in Charlotte. He's three seasons. But beer, he won't go 20- into the Hall of Fame as a Hornet. That's the thing. No, 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 no. I know. Uh, Twenty-one and ten. I mean, that that's that's that averages out, and that was his best season. He's the fifth all-time leading rebounder, first all-time in blocks, of course, second all-time in points per game. I mean, even though he's only here for three seasons, since Impact, he and LJ together were, I mean, one of the great young duos in the NBA at that time. So. Um, certainly not making his name here or establishing his prime in Charlotte docked him some, but I think he's definitely, he's got to be up there just because Doug, you think about the, he's, mural, I mean, he's up there, you, but I just you, don't you, think he's top three you it, think about it, that in mural. the, in the, in the context of what we've built here for our discussion. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's top three. What, what, what's your list? Okay. LJ is on my list. I think he's the first superstar of this team, this town ever had he was one of the most electric players in the nba when he came in it was kind of like a vince carter shock to the nba at that time he was a smaller power forward but he could jump out of the gym he was in the dunk contest he was marketable he was one of those guys that you just wanted to tune in and see and he had the numbers to back it up best season 22 and 10 with four assists in his second season like you said two-time all-star one time all nba uh, over the five seasons here, just under 20 and 10. So for me, LJ has to be on this list. And I think he's synonymous with your Charlotte Hornets starter jacket era Hornets. And he's uh, he's the first guy on my list. Uh, for, I agree with you on Larry Johnson. Second guy on my list is going to be Glenn Rice. I think, again, I understand the arguments against him in terms of him only being here three seasons, but he was a three-time All-Star, and as I said, I've sort of already made the case for him in terms of his meaning for the franchise. He kept this franchise afloat, uh, more than afloat. Uh, they got out of the Bristow era. They they ended up trading Larry Johnson, and this team was able uh, to stay on the map and stay relevant, and it was it would have been very easy for this franchise to hit the basement, and it didn't. Uh, so Glenn Rice definitely gets consideration. What's your second name? It's Glenn Rice as well. I agree with that. His impact here is scoring 23 points, 24 points per game, and those three-point shots here. Uh, all of his all-star appearances were made in Charlotte, uh, which is kind of surprising by, to me. I mean, the one thing against him, I think, is he did make so many stops, um, but I really think you're right. The impact he made in Charlotte and the relevance that he was able to uh, help Charlotte maintain goes a long way in keeping him. He was just the best player. <laughs> I mean, he was really, really good in Charlotte. And at the end of the day, if you're talking about who was the best players in Charlotte, he's got to be in this top three. And we're going to disagree here, I know, on our third. Uh, does Kimba make the third spot for you? So this is the real question, right? And shout out to my buddy D. He posed this to me on Instagram, and then we started talking about it. So he started this debate here. Eddie Jones is the guy that you kept bringing up, and I brought him up when we were doing our kind of our top five positional guys right back in the summer. I think he's the best shooting guard this team's ever had. Unfortunately, he's only here for 102 games, so that docks him a little bit. But he was good on offense and defense, as you mentioned. I just cannot go with Del Curry as a top three Hornet of all time, and I know that's blasphemous to some people it's no shot at Dell I just can't put a guy who was not a starter who was never the best guy on his own team who never had his own team um was never the best at his position yes he made an impact 
he was more of a specialist. Like you said, there weren't that many guys shooting three, so that certainly was important. But to me, he's a franchise leader in games played, field goal attempts, field goals, three-point field mm-hmm, goals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Kemba, Kemba is chasing a lot of those. Some mm-hmm. of those I don't know if anyone will ever get, but Kemba's going to grab some of those for himself. And for that reason, taking the Bobcats era into account, I do put Kemba Walker into oh, this wow. top three. And it's, All right. last, and it's these last two seasons that's really done it for me. Um, I don't penalize him that much for these awards. I just think it's been tough for him to grab those. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna disagree. I'm gonna go with Del Curry because he he currently you gotta you gotta beat the man to be the man. Del Curry sits on top of so many of these awards. I think he's meant so much to this franchise. Uh, Ten years here that's that's a long time. And uh, Kimba, I'm putting him in the tightest of fourth place positions. All Kimba has to do in my mind is make an All Star team or win a playoff series. He just needs that's to have. It? Yeah, he just needs to have that extracurricular activity, like on a co- like when you're applying for college. You just need that, like what you need to volunteer for the boys and girls club one time, wow. and and you're good. And I can put you in. Uh, but right now, he doesn't have the statistical. Uh, to me, he just doesn't have the the career stats with the Hornets uh, to match up. But he will. That's the thing. Uh, so he's going to be three in my mind. Um, could be, uh, could even eclipse Larry Johnson if he's able to acquire some more of these awards and honors and statistics. Uh, let's go well, out to let, let yeah. me get, let me get out to Reddit real quick. Uh, Tuba Mike comments: I wouldn't put Kimba up there just yet. That said, if he continues to play at this level for a couple of years, he will absolutely deserve his place in our Hall of Fame. Kimba hasn't had the highs that Big Al, LJ, Zoe, or Rice have had, but he has played for us for a long time and has been consistently good. If he can keep up his current pace, he might even be remembered as the greatest Hornet, if not the best. MTVIA <laughs> says, I mean, he put, uh, yeah, he put uh, Big Al in that discussion as well. Mm. Uh, MTVIA says, really value longevity. They are going uh, Curry, Kimba. Oh, so MTVIA is going Curry, Kimba, and Bogues. Really valuing longevity. Wow. He dings okay. both uh, Zoe and LJ for not staying more than five years. And then finally, Crying Jordan Hornets writes, Ultimately, I think at this point, there are still too many Hornets who have done more than Kemba, although at this pace uh, he is going Give in, me some a, names. in a few years. One, well, I'm not reading their entire comments. You can go oh, on yeah. reddit.com and check out the full comments. Um, a few all-star visits under his belt, as well as a few deeper playoff runs then I think he will absolutely be mentioned in the same way. Yeah, I mean, if he gets a, if the Hornets get to an Eastern Conference Finals at some point during Kimba's run, it's automatic. I mean, that's autom- in, in my mind, he automatically gets uh, moved up ahead of all these yeah. other players who were never able to accomplish that. There's a, that's the at, thing with the franchise. There's a lot of room here because we're, we're discussing players who never uh, made it past the second round of the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Well, look at the teams that, Eddie Jones, Glenn Rice, especially came into, like you said, I mean, Alonzo and LJ were part of building that up, but you know, when those, that second run of, of guys came in, I mean, the Hornets were, you know, established somewhat in the East, right? I mean, as you mentioned, Kemba from Bobcats days, I mean, that was the lowest of the low and, and from what he's done and built it up and really taken this franchise as his own, um, I think deserves a lot of credit. If Kemba had, more personality or were more marketable. Oh my gosh, you guys are just you, you guys are just too greedy. No, no, no. What I'm saying, no, I'm not being greedy. I'm just saying, don't you think that he would get a little bit more of a nod over Larry Johnson or over Alonzo Mourning or over uh, Glenn Rice if he were? If he was a little more like uh, you know uh, 
Like Muggsy, yeah. Muggsy was marketable. Like Muggsy would do commercials. Muggsy mm-hmm. was in the, on the scene. Yeah, you see Kimba in the game and in the post game, and really, that's pretty much that's it. Pretty much it. But that's why he's improved. That's true. <laughs> he stayed. Probably, he stayed right? in the gym. Yeah, he's not. He he's not the on gym. the. He's not on the TV commercial set. He's in the gym improving his three point shot. Okay. Uh, let us know what you think on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. You can email us buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com or on Great Instagram uh, or on Reddit. So we put the Reddit post up there. Check that out and uh, drop your comment on there. We'll read it uh, on Monday or on Tuesday on our live show on YouTube. Okay, let's move on to all-star starters. They were announced last night. They are uh, in the East. It's Kyrie Irving. We kind of expected that. DeMar DeRozan beats out Dwayne Wade for that uh, second guard spot. For the forwards, it's Le- uh, LeBron James. It's LeJean Brains. Heard of him. And uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yanni. And the final forward spot goes to Jimmy Butler. So, David, th- these are the starters. Obviously, Kimba's name not announced, but what does it mean for Kimba Walker's chances to make this all-star game? Oh, my gosh. It's a feels like we've been talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll make this quick. We'll make this quick. No, no, but it's just there's so much to dive into when you look at the player results and the media results. But real quick, like we said yesterday, it's good that Dwayne Wade did not get one of these spots because that leaves one of the likely the wild card options for Kimba. I think that's what we agree that it's going to come down to. So it's just going to be who can he beat out amongst really the forwards? Because I think the the other guards are getting in. Don't you agree? I think Wall is definitely in, and I think Lowry is definitely in, and Isaiah Thomas. That's three. That's three right there. They're, they're in. So for the coaches to pick the reserves, they've got two spots for guards, three spots for forwards, and then two wild card spots. So, yeah, I think right. IT and Lowry. And IT was, let's see, Isaiah Thomas was fourth in the fan rank, second in the player rank, and number one in the media rank. So he tied DeMar DeRozan for that second guard spot, but the tie went to the fan vote, so DeMar right. gets it. But yeah, I think he's definitely in. And then Kyle Lowry was fifth in fan voting, fifth in player voting, and then fourth in media voting. So I think he sealed his up. I was surprised that Dwayne Wade landed in – I'm not surprised that he landed in sixth amongst players – because, again, I think there's a heavy respect vote for Dwayne Wade, not just for this season, but for what he's done over his career. But what really surprised me is sixth place for Dwayne yeah. Wade. And that scares me because I think coaches are susceptible to the respect factor as well. And coaches, I think I think Dwayne Wade probably is one of the more respected elder statesmen of the Eastern Conference. And Keith on Twitter asks us, do you think the coaches put Wade in over Kemba? Wade gets the nod in this um, in this uh, ranking, this weighted score over. He's fourth place. Kemba Walker lands in eighth place. David, I'm a little, I'm still a little worried about Dwayne Wade taking a spot that's, here. That's shocking. I mean, that's just uh, honestly, that's kind of. That's I've a been telling ridiculous. you, I've been trying to prepare know, you for this. But- if you well, we should point out they tied in the media, right? Um, so they were equal in media vote, and one which spot is absurd in the player vote. Oh, it, I, it's still it's still ridiculous. I, I agree. Um, I, so I don't think that. Um, I, I don't think they'll put him in. Um, anything could happen, of course. And um, NBA legends have been known to get in with less credentials, but I, I don't think so. I. I'm still trying to find a way that that can be. I mean, it's not hard to find a way. It's just whether or not you believe the coaches are going to put those four guards in. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And, and, and I think we were going through some of the guys last night, right, Doug? And 
So you've got guys like Embiid, Kevin Love, Paul George. I think Paul George is in. Um, and then it comes down to are they yeah, going to put one of the so for, Yeah, for the forwards, I think it's Kevin Love's automatic, Paul George's automatic. And then so, so you got one the, more forward. Yeah, you got one more forward, and that's interesting because Embiid got a heavy fan vote. Um, Zinger, Mello, do you put one of those guys in? Jabari. Like if you look at Jabari's statistics this year – he matches yeah. up with any of these guys, and you wonder if the coaches, this could be like a sneak coach pick. If Jabari's like a really, like the coaches have noticed him more than maybe the fans have or the media has because he plays in Milwaukee. I'm a, I, So that third uh, forward spot is open, but if a guy like Jabari does sneak in, then you start to worry about do they give that wild card? Because I think John Wall has the first wild card spot he's, locked up. He's in. I mean, that move that he hit last night, go back and watch that move that he hit last night to basically win the game against the New York Knicks. Yeah, he uh, He didn't need it. He eviscerated – well, he didn't need it, but he eviscerated Brandon Jennings in a big moment. Uh, So I think he secured his wild card spot. So you're going to worry about two scenarios, Wade getting that final wild card spot or them giving it to a fourth forward. And uh, it certainly it certainly could happen. And, and and if the coaches get crazy and think, well, we need a center, and they put in beat on the team, not we need, but you know, sort of traditionalist wanting a center on the team, then and and end up going with Embiid, uh, that could be another thing as yeah, well. And, so and, and two other names, Doug, that are not on here are Al Horford and Paul Millsap and Brooke um, Lopez. I, okay. I mean, um, I mean, look, I no, look that, at the stats. He's like the number one center again. A center doesn't not, matter, but putting, it could. They're not putting Brooke Lopez in. All okay. right. Well, you thought Dwayne Wade was going to get really knocked down by the media, and he didn't. So he did get knocked down. I thought he did think he was going to start, and he's not sixth. Um, Only sixth. Look, Horford has missed almost a third of the of the of the season, so I think that knocks him a little bit. Yeah, he's out. Mills, Millsap. That's an interesting I, I think name. You, you have to keep an eye on because look, the Hawks don't have any representation. Uh, where are they sitting right now in the East? They're above the Hornets. I know that. So I mean, that's going to be a tough one. Um, if they give up one of those block cards, if they put more than three forwards in, Kemba likely gets knocked out. So uh, I believe they're announced next week. We'll have to see. I think a good homestand, uh, a bump up in the rankings, certainly couldn't hurt uh, the Hornets point guard there and trying to get in. So I think Millsap is a name you have to watch out for, and he's not on any of these lists. It's true. Yeah, the Hawks are fourth place in the Eastern Conference right now at 24-18, and 18, and Paul Millsap is is having a really good season. So it could be – and we've heard that coaches, they like players on winning teams, and a lot of these forwards – are you know they're on the Knicks who are eleventh place. They're they're Joel Embiid who's in thirteenth place with right. the Seventy Sixers. So so they're not they're not putting two Knicks right. I mean I don't see I don't I don't see how they put. I don't honestly I mean I'm Melo and and Porzingis they're probably all star level players. But I don't see how you put those two guys in there at this point. I mean they're just the Knicks have been a disaster and a mess on and off the court all season and rewarding that seems a little crazy, but it's happened. Do you, do you know offhand uh, the date for which the, uh, the coaches have to pick this? I don't. It's February. It's it's early February. So we've got, I think we've got (laughs) a little time. Um, And then of course, all-star weekend, February 17th through the 19th. Okay, let's move on to tonight's game against the Toronto Raptors. Well, no, are you kidding? They announced the reserves next week. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
So basically, basically, yeah, that's what I said. LeJean Brames. <laughs> All right, the Hornets take on the Toronto Raptors tonight in Charlotte. The Raptors are 28-14 and 14 on the season, second place in the Eastern Conference, two games back of the Cleveland Cavaliers, so they are still on the hunt. They were winners of four straight before running in to the Philadelphia 76ers on the second night of a back-to-back. Apparently only the Washington Wizards can solve the Sixers right now. Uh, very, I mean, they're, they're just a tough team. They're a tough beat right now. The first matchup between these two teams was high scoring and very close down the stretch. Kimball Walker dropped 40 points and 10 assists, but, or 10 rebounds, excuse me, but it was Eastern Conference all-star starter DeMar DeRozan who was unstoppable, unguardable in the fourth quarter. The Raptors won a close one, 113-111. to 111. DeRozan did eventually cool down from his automatic 30-point start, but he's still playing extremely well. Will the Hornets finally consider a double team in this game, David? Uh, no. <laughs> They're stubborn. Steve Clifford is stubborn about these double teams. He doesn't want to shut one particular player down, and you kind of understand that, right? Because you, you, they've got Kyle Lowry as well. Right. I mean, that's the strategy. I don't know. We haven't seen it, so I wouldn't expect to see it um, this time around either. Did Kimba go for 40 in this game, did you say? Yes. Back, yeah, in, back so, on November 11th. Yeah, that's another thing. Not to, not to dwell on the All-Star talk again. I think we'll be talking about it forever, but... Uh, big night from him going up against these two all-star point uh, all-star guards uh, could go a long way as well. And you look at the offensive teams the Hornets have played lately. I mean, the Blazers are not a, a, a good team, but they're a good offensive team. I mean, one of the better offensive teams in the league, and Toronto is as well. So the Hornets, quite frankly, Doug, need a win over a Toronto, over a yes, Boston. Need a big you win. You know what I mean? They're over um, against Toronto, Boston, Cleveland. They've got to win against exactly. Atlanta, but exactly. And so, you know, I said on Sunday that when the team is they're back against the wall, sometimes they come out and surprise you. That win the other night alleviates some of that. But I think the Hornets have still got to have a sense of urgency here that they've got to make up some ground. This is their homestand, okay? Um, they've got to make up for some of those losses they just had on the road. And beating a very, very good Toronto team would go a long way in that. Well, in this Toronto team, they are are hurting a little bit, especially in their front court. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas is had a tough fall last night, uh, or not last night, but against the 76ers. Damari Carroll um, had left the game with a sore neck in the third quarter. No word on his status. They've got injuries to Bebe Noguera uh, and, and several others, and they're just working in Jared Selinger, who's missed a large portion of the season with a foot injury. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of the weight is going to be on DeMar DeRozan, and Kyle Lowry. DeRozan in January averaging 30.5 points, six rebounds, and has only taken five three-pointers. Amazing stuff the way he's able to score without shooting from beyond the arc. But a lot of people would argue, David, that Kyle Lowry is actually the better player, and some on-off statistics kind of back that up. Would you argue that? Would you argue that Kyle Lowry is the guy that they actually should be focusing on in terms of um, you know, stopping this offense? That the Hornets should be focusing on? Well, I think I, I don't watch the Raptors every night. I'll be honest about that. But I do think from what the people that do, what they say, I mean, Kyle Lowry seems to be the engine that makes this team go. He does a lot more uh with his offensive efficiency and he's he's just he's like lethal from three right now yeah um and, and that's the important thing he runs this team and i think without him it would be a 
it would be a much different team than it would be without DeRozan. I mean, Lowry plays a lot with the uh, with the second lineup, right? With the with the bench guys, and that lineup is one of the better offensive ones that you'll see. So, I mean, that tells you a lot that he can do um, a lot of good things with different guys out on the court. But I mean, DeRozan, I think especially for the Hornets, you see these guys that are stars, especially scoring stars, and they oftentimes have trouble cooling them off when they get hot. So, I think DeRozan still has a bit more of that. I don't know that spark factor, right? That if he gets going, he just, and you saw it in that game earlier this season when he was just on fire, all this mid range stuff that he gets going, he hits tough shot after tough shot. He can drive to the basket. He's got everything in his arsenal offensively. And I think that's been one of the big things for the Hornets, uh, their difficulty in stopping one of those guys. And um, both of them can do it. But I mean, I think DeRozan for the Hornets scares me a little bit more just because of his athleticism and his ability to go off, don't you think? No, I think Lowry scares me more, and here's why. Because okay. DeRozan does a lot of Thanks his... Thanks for the setup. <laughs> DeRozan does a lot of his work by himself. I mean, it is a lot of isolation, and there's, you know, sometimes there's not a ton you can do about that unless you do throw a double team, which we know the right. Hornets probably will not do. And so, But you can... Uh, you, if you're lucky, you can scheme Lowry a little bit or try to make him do some things that he doesn't want to do. And if you're aggressive with him on the three-point line, he's third in three-pointers made. He's fifth in three-point percentage. The dangerous thing about Lowry is that he can switch effortlessly between uh, this high-octane scorer and and someone who likes to distribute and you know get steals on the defensive end and and work in that way but i think mm-hmm. if you can frustrate him offensively early then you can take him out of the rest of the game and that's what the Philadelphia 76ers were able to do they got in his shirt early in the game and uh, i think it really hurt the flow of what the rest of because the, there's that's the thing the raptors are uh, demar derozan and his offense and then everybody else working together with Kyle Lowry like I mean, Lowry gets some assists to Demar Derozan for sure, but Derozan uh, is is his own island, is his own statue, and right. and so you, I think you don't focus so much on that, and you you worry more about Kyle Lowry. Uh, let's talk about the Hornets though. They're coming off a big win, the big contribution from Roy Hibbert, who Clifford said in practice is moving around a lot better. The knee that he injured earlier in the year is stronger now. Clifford has been alternating Hibbert and Hawes night to night. Do you see the Hornets sticking with Roy Hibbert after that big game? Mm, great question, Doug. Um, well, I think it's going to come down to his readiness, and that's all we've heard of the last two days is that he's yeah. working very hard to get ready, right? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's so situational, Doug. I just think they – Do you think they a, should? A, a here's, a, here's a good question. Do you think they should stick with well, Roy? So with Valanciunas in there, it helps to have a bigger body that can kind of bang up against him. Um, and, you know, I think that Clifford goes with whoever he feels most comfortable with in the moment. I think well, a lot of stuff that, that uh, Hall does is sometimes double up on if Frank's shooting it well, if you've got other, if you got Mark going there that's able to shoot the three and stretch on the defense. I mean, I think Hawes gives you a lot of that as well in his passing too. So with more of those guys available, um, to me, uh, Hibbert gives you a, a bit of a different look th- than Hawes does. So I think he adds a different dimension, whether that works or not. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think I think I think Hibbert gives you that low post presence that 
is not often found, but whether or not it's effective, it's certainly not going to be effective like it was the other night. So it's, it's kind of tough to say. I think a lot of it's going to depend on Damari Carroll. If he's hurt and and they don't end up playing Carroll for this matchup, which is this is the third game of a three game road swing for them, so this is one where they could very well just like rest uh, a lot of those players who are injured and get ready to come back home. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, the Raptors are sixteen and four when Damari Carroll scores in double figures, so it's important for the team in general. But why I tie this to Hibbert is because if Carroll is hurt, you could very well see them go small uh, throughout both both of the first unit. And the second unit, you see a lot of uh, Siakam and and different players that you've never heard of before, but they they do play very often. Um, so if they downsize, I think Hibbert it, it could be a struggle to play Hibbert, especially if he's not moving around very well. The Raptors in general, they're just a tough team to scout and probably to coach against too, because they have that mush of front court players that Dwayne Casey mixes and matches night to night. I mean, he doesn't play. A, a, a front court rotation for, it seems like for more than a couple games they've got uh, Valanciunas Pat Patterson is trying to come back from injury Nagara, Jakob Pertl Siakam who I just mentioned and now you add Jared Sullinger back into the mix off the injury report and and you know Sullinger's a guy if they play him at center he's a guy that can pull you out uh, if they play him off the bench like that so you know they may the Hornets may be forced to downsize away from Hibbert if uh, the Raptors go in that general direction, final thoughts. I, mean, I don't to you? think, yeah, I don't think Hibbert is going to be a focal point, right? I mean, is that what we're trying to figure? Out? Not focal point. I just don't. No, no, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. they've been going Hawes yeah. and no Hibbert, Hibbert and no Hawes. They've just been alternating game to game. It'll it will be yeah. very interesting to see what the Hornets do. Real quick, yeah. uh, before we get out of here, prediction: Do you think the Hornets get this big victory at home against the Toronto Raptors? Oh, you know I do, Doug. I predicted it on our uh, on our Sunday TV. Can I change? Show can I change? Can I change my vote? No, you cannot. <laughs> I know what your vote is. Your vote is that they lose. I think again they need to have this one. Um, maybe they can get on a little bit of a roll here. That's really. I didn't the only know how hurt the Toronto Raptors were going to be. This is not you gotta fair. You got to do your homework, Doug. You got to. You gotta well, they got hurt stuff. before Sunday. <laughs> That's no excuse. Okay, I'll tell the future next time. <laughs> well, I don't care. I'm changing my vote anyway. So the Hornets get this victory. Well, that's never good. That's get, not a good sign that we're both going with a win. Well, I don't believe in that juju. I okay. Get that out of here. All right, well, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Tell us what you think. Is Kimball Walker a top three player in Hornets history? Subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, Give us a five-star review and help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Also, vote for us on uh, Charlotte Magazine's B.O.B. Awards, Best of the Best for Best Podcast. Go to charlottemagazine.com and uh, help us out. Vote for us. Uh, Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. We're back again on Monday with a recap of this game as well as Saturday's home game against the Brooklyn Nets. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets, go America, beat the Raptors, let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV, don't blame it on Cal-